Okay. Yeah. Good morning. Today's daf is daf mem hey. I'm gonna go from to the bottom of mem dalad. I'm gonna is 44b. Today's shir is ilunishmas ben Sion ben zev Avram Halevi, Leia Luna bas Asaf Sylvia Avram ben Peretz. May their memory be a blessing and may their neshamas have an aliyah. It's also for a full shame of Ruvain ben Leia and Pesa Bashaina Bela. May they have a complete and speedy uh, may they have a complete and speedy recovery. Mazel tov to Mervin. Should bring you lots of nachas. Um yeah. So Omar Abhizda Shiva Zahovim Haim. So fifth last line of Mem Dalaram Bray is forty four B. Says Omar Abhizda Shiva Dahovim Haim. There were seven types of gold. Remember we mentioned that regu- during the rest of the year it was a yellowy gold, the shovel f- and on Yom Kippur it was. Reddish gold. So the Kabora brings Rav Chis is teaching there are seven types of gold. Zohov, Zohov Tov, what's referred to as gold, what's referred to as good quality gold. Zov Ofir, um, Zov from Ofir, Zohov Mupaz, Zov Mupaz, Zov Shochut, Zov Sogur, Zohov Parvin. Zohov, Zov Tov, to see where do we, what's the source for that? There's regular gold and, and Zohov Tov. As the Posak says, Zohov Eretzahu, the gold of that land, Tov, is good. Zahav Ofir, the Aisim Ofir. Zahav Ofir is the gold from Ofir. Um, Zahav Mufaz, Shedoimelapaz. This type of gold is extra glistening. It's like a, uh, like a, it shimmers, like a pearl. Lapaz. Zahav Shachut, Shednitve Kachut. Zahav Shachut is, it can be spun like a thread. Zahav Sokur. When uh, this this quality when it's available on the market, all the other shops might as well close. No one's going to be interested in buying any other type of gold. That's how refined this is. And zohav parvayim shadaim parvayim is because it's similar. To the blood of bulls. Ah, it's a reddish gold. Ravashi Omer Chavmishahe. Ravashi says they're not seven types of gold, they're five. Vakol Chad Vachad Ispe Zohov Zov Tov. And in each type of gold is the category of gold and good gold. I each, uh, they're not, those aren't two types of different golds. Those are the types of gold that. Uh, Um, those are those are the li- different levels in each of these five types of gold. Tanya Nami Hachi, there's a brisa which teaches the same thing. Every day there was um, they used Zahav uh, Yarok, yellowy gold, and on Yom Kippur Edom, reddish gold. And this is Zahav Parvayim, which is similar to Dama Parim. Um, okay, so interesting. Yeah, you can go into why we need to know this. What's the what's the ramification of knowing? But obviously, in their times, especially for building the base of Midash, and when you see it came comes up in different places in in, Nov, in the Novi in the Nevi'im, like Shlomo, when he was building the base of Midash, said for a specific type of gold. They all had their different qualities and were their different places. Seems there's a special mala on Yom Kippur, either because the list is ascending, it's going up in value of gold, or there's a special mala 
of this gold that you use, this shovel that you use to scoop the coals for the incense, there's a special barley if it's similar to the blood of the bulls. The Ben Yohayotov gives a reason, but it was, uh, I didn't really understand it. It was to, if you take the Yud and the Vov of the Parvayim and add it to the Parim and you get Hashem's name, um, I, didn't, uh, I didn't understand really what he was saying, but obviously what, what I'm just bringing out is that there is a reason for this, for using Dam Parvayim on Yom Kippur. Okay, now we're carrying on with the differences um, um, between the incense of Yom Kippur and the regular incense that was offered twice a day. The incense of Yom Kippur was extra refined. Hadak. Why does it have to tell? The incense that was used on the on Yom Kippur was the exact same as the incense used the rest of the year round. And the rest of the year round it says when you're making it, hadak, you must grind it finely. So why does it have to tell us finely by Yom Kippur? Rather it's to tell you that it has to be refined of the refined. Um the Iglai Tal brings out a very interesting halacha from here. The Iglai Tal is uh, the Sochach of a Rebbe. I'm trying to think if it is. It's the Avdei Nezer, famous Hasidish Rebbe, um, very, very learned. And he says, so he had a Sefer Iglai Tal where he started writing Hilchus Shabbos. Um, it's an interesting story. He was a little bit elder and his doctor said he's too old to teach. It takes too much energy. And he still wanted to spread his Torah, so he wrote the Sefer Iglaital, very um, beautiful, beautiful introduction that's uh, worth going through in its own right. Um, but there he starts with the first few. He does, I don't know if I don't, he doesn't get to finish his Sefer, um, but he does a few Malachal on Shabbos, and then Toichet, the Halacha of Toichet, he brings here. Um, Rashi on the Mishnah says when they would grind it extra finely, they would do that on Erev Yom Kippur. And the, the, uh, they would do that on Erev Yom Kippur. Because, and the, so the question on that is we have a principle, once something's being ground, even if you put it back together, you can grind it again. You know, grinding is one of the 39 malachas. So he says, why can't you, like challah, you can crumble the bread. You don't have to worry because the flour's already been broken up. So it doesn't count as grinding. Again, ein toichet achar toichet. So he says, what's the problem? So but he says, we see from here that this that we say, ein toichet achar toichet, is when it has been ground to the degree to attain the goal, that, the required goal. So flour was that you made into bread was ground as much as you were going to ground it ever. Attained, uh, it's called a perfect grounding, and therefore there would be no grounding afterwards. But here on Yom Kippur, when it's when you needed a new level of ground of grounded, when you need to ground it to a whole new level, you would, we would not apply the principle of ein toichen achar toichen. There is no grounding after grounding, because. Because it's not it's not considered to have been properly ground. Um, I was wondering, um, yeah. So that would be 
and a halacha that he brings out from this Gemara, because it says um, on Yom Kippur they would grind it again, but not on Yom Kippur, on Erev Yom Kippur. Ah, oh, don't we say Toichen, Achar Toichen. So that's as we discussed. Then it says, Bechol Yom Kohanim, Oilim B'Mizrach Shel Keves. We mentioned that the rest of the year, the Kohanim would go up on the east of the ramp, and because they would turn right at the top, and you don't want to cross the ramp unnecessarily. As I said last time, I don't understand why, but it's, a, it's disrespectful to just cross the ramp, which is the entrance to the Bizbat, unnecessarily. And on Yom Kippur, the Kohen Godot would go up and down in the middle. It says, The reason for this is, as Mar says, whenever you're turning, you turn to your right in the Avoida, which is towards the east. Again, you're heading north up the ramp, because the ramp's in the south, and you turn to your right, which is east. Um, and so that's what it's saying here. And today you go up in the middle and down in the middle. The coin Godel and his avoida goes up and down the middle. It says, my time, what's the reason? Because of the honor of the coin Godel. Now, what does it mean, the honor of the coin Godel? So I'm going to look back at Rashi on the Mishnah and say what Rashi gave the reason on the Mishnah. I'm assuming that's how he understood this. On that Mem Gimel Amud Beis, Rashi says um, to show his Marek Voido, to show his honor and his glories, the Chivason Shel Yisrael, Shehu Shluchon, and it shows the dearness of the Israel. I on Yom Kippur. I, think, I thought this was an amazing, amazing idea. On Yom Kippur, in some ways, it's the most scary day. It's the most awe-inspiring day. It's the day that we're pleading for our lives for the year, that if we should have a good judgment, Hashem should seal our judgment for good. And nevertheless, in the middle of the void, we know that the coin Godel goes out the middle of the ramp to show Hashem's love for us. And to show His dearness to us, that we're like, make, Hashem almost tells the coin Godel, make yourself at home in my house today. Don't worry about crossing the ramp unnecessarily. I know that's a... Uh, procedure for dignity and stuff but make yourself at home you don't have to worry don't don't stand on ceremony or in, in my mind that's what Hashem's telling B'nai Israel on the most awe-inspiring day to show that this I guess the, the the dearness of the day the dearness of the opportunity to do tshuva don't know if that's a true drosha but that's what I was thinking about then it says Bechol Yom my time so, every day the Kohen Godol sanctifies his hand and feet from the cure and then on this day he uses the golden one this is my time and what's the reason again out of honor for the Kohen Godol we make him use a gold one I don't know if I mentioned it when we did it on the Mishnah but there's a big discussion because remember the first which one's more special the cure or this golden one on the one hand, the cure is the special kli that was made in the Beis Amidash that the Kohanim and, uh, go and wash their hands and feet before they start the Avoida. And Rashi actually earlier on when we were doing the Seder of Avoida at the beginning of the day, says the first one the Kohen Godel does must be from the cure. It's only the subsequent times that he washes his hand. Remember he washes his hand ten times on Yom Kippur. The subsequent nine times, Kiddush, uh, time for Aglaim, hands and feet, um, would be done with the cure. With the golden flask. Others learn, no, the golden flask was equally um, good and they, and he would use that for the whole of Yom Kippur. But that's, uh, I don't remember if we discussed it on the Mishnah, 
But again, there's that discussion. Was this that he used the golden flask? Was it for every time? Then it says, Every day there were eight, four pies. Now we're going to go through the Mishnah, brought three opinions. We're also going to go through the three different opinions of how many pies were on the altar, on the Mizbah. And that's going to take us through most of the rest of the daf. He says, Every day there were two pies, and on today, on Yom Kippur, there were three pies. Achas Marocha Gedoyla. So there was the main pyre where they burnt the korbanos on. Then there was the secondary pyre shel katoris, which is where they would take the coals for the katoris. And the one that they would add, Rashi says, to get the for today for Yom Kippur for the coals for um, the special coals for the katoris of Yom Kippur. Divrei Rabbi Yehuda, that's Rabbi Yehuda's opinion. Rabbi Yosi Omer, Rabbi Yosi says. Every day there were three, um, three levels, three pyres, and on Yom Kippur there were four. So we're going to see he's obviously going to add one. So the first one he agrees. The first two agrees on. There was the primary one, which they would burn the actual limbs of the Korbanos on. Then there was the secondary one, which they would take for coals for the regular Katoris. The third one that he said was on every day was the one that they kept to make sure that the fire was kept going. Rashi explains if they ever saw the fire on the main pyre losing, uh, getting extinguished, dimming, they would use the, the pyre for keeping the fire going. They would use logs and, uh, and wood from there to strengthen the main pyre. That's the third one. And on Yom Kippur, the fourth one, the fourth one that they added on that day, again, we'll go with Rashi's chat that it's for the coals for the katoires that was burnt in the Kodesh HaKadoshim. It says, Rabbi Meir Oimer, Rabbi Meir says, this is the third and final opinion, every day there were four and today there were five. It says, that were not um, consumed the previous night. So again, the first three we've already touched on, the main pyre for boiling the korbanos on, the secondary pyre for the, to get the coals for the regular incense, the one for kium ha'esh, to keep the fire burning on the mizbech, and the, and one for the limbs and the fats that were not consumed. So this is a new one. Remember, the coin would go to Trumas Adeshin or he'd come to get the Korbana. Sometimes you'd see that there were many limbs on the Mizbeach. Either that the Mizbeach was, there were too many parts for it to burn the whole night. There was just too many Korbanas the day before. Or they started to burn on the Mizbeach, but they weren't completely burnt and it had to be burnt to cinders. So what would they do? They had this fourth pyre to burn those. That's how Rebbe Meir learned. There was a fourth pyre to burn the limbs that were not burned previously. And the other, and then obviously the one that they added on special for Yom Kippur. Now before we go, we're going to go into the sources for all of these. Where do we get, to, according to the opinion that there were two pyres, what's the source for it? According to the opinion that there were three pyres, what's his source? What's the source of the one who leaves it out? So we're going to go through that discussion. But just interestingly, there's a question on this, don't we have a principle that 
Um, don't we say that the fire came down from heaven as a miracle? <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> don't we say that the fire came down as a miracle from Shemaim? So why were the or firstly, why were they so particular to make sure that they had a, a, another one to burn it? What's this mitzvah to keep this uh, alarm on the Mizbeach? So the Sefer Achinoch, he has a long discussion on this mitzvah, but I'll just bring out one point. He says, what's the root of this mitzvah? It's a mitzvah kuflam at base. He says, mitzvah adlokas eishalam mizbeach b'chol yom. There's a mitzvah to keep the fire burning on the Mizbeach, to light the fire on the Mizbeach every day. Why is there a mitzvah? And the question is, why is there a mitzvah to light the fire when the fire would come miraculously? And then the interesting, Kuflam and Gimel is a negative commandment. That you never let the fire, that you never extinguish the fire on the Mizbah. But he says as follows. He says, In introduction to the source for this mitzvah, he says, It's known amongst us and all wise people. The great miracles that Hashem does on behalf of people, He always tries to do them in a secret way. And He tries to make it look miraculous, or look not look look like it's part of nature, or very similar to nature. And we see, he says, he says, we even see this by the Kriyas Yamsov. He made the wind blow the night before, so it looked like it was, I guess, a tornado splitting the sea as opposed to a miracle. Um, and and part of the reason is, it seems, he says, ki inyan malas is for the greatness of the master, v'shvelus hamakabel. And the lowliness of the one who's receiving it. Not sure exactly what that line means, but I think um, th- that means that he. Uh, that it's for us to be able to live our lives if we realized how. Obviously, it's a goal in life is to realize how everything is a miracle from Hashem. Remember, you can probably testify to this very strongly today. How, 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 how many miracles there are and what a miracle just life is. And uh, when you go, yeah, I just remember when my wife was, uh, gave birth, like the miracles that uh, you see and how dangerous it is and it works out. You know, all these things and just general daily life, you realize what a miracle it is. But on the other hand, it, it would be very, very hard to live a life that's one big miracle. So it's a, I feel like it's a dual aspect of an avoider. Our job is to try to realize how miraculous and how kind and full of chesed and goodness Hashem is. It's a hard thing to do. But Hashem, on the other hand, tries to do things in the most natural way without deviating and that we don't realize the grandness of the miracle. Um, really? Yes. I heard once that um, we don't we don't appreciate miracles because we see it as the repetitiveness of nature. Yeah. You know, so for example, if you look at the sun coming up every day, you don't see it as a miracle. It's just nature repeating itself day in and day out. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. The the it's, re- it's the repetitiveness. Mm. Hey, yeah. It makes it makes us not recognize what we're mm. seeing as a miracle. Yeah, what we it's disguised as nature. 
exactly. Yeah, exactly. Or so the, 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 every temporal to the mm, birth of a child. Yeah. Um, so it's a medical miracle. Yeah, that is. The... Eventually. Pardon? Eventually? I say eventually it becomes a medical miracle. It doesn't become a miracle of Hashem. Yeah. You just see it as a medical miracle. You don't yeah. see it as, because it happens every day. Mm. It's a repetitive miracle. Yeah, yeah. Yes, we can say the same about the vaccine. It took, it generally takes them years and years and years to come out with a vaccine. Within a year, some countries quicker than than others, but within a year of the start, or just over a year, people were getting vaccinated. And Israel has seen remarkable. I mean, let's wait a bit longer and see how it works out. But Israel, with as the the vaccine, where they've vaccinated such large portions of their society. It has been a miracle. They're back, just about back yeah. to normal, with hardly, hardly, hardly any increase in cases. I think they get yeah. like a, a few a day, like so. Uh, so like that's another a medical miracle. It seems totally natural and stuff, but it's phenomenal. Um, so the the Ramban and Rabbeinu Bachia, I guess, amongst others, have what they call a nice nigla and a nice nistar, a revealed miracle, and a hidden miracle, and they basically learn. Um, that like you're saying, everything is a miracle. This that the world functions and that it, that the sun rises and the and there's air to breathe and everything that it, everything works is maybe is the greatest miracle. And once in a while, and the nice nigle are not as big a deal. They come to remind us what's their purpose and what's the goal of a nice nigle. Some say to remind us that Hashem's running the show, and then we can see the miracle in every single facet and aspect of our lives. But that is that is an approach that yeah, nice nistar. Everything is a nice nistar, and it's and for whatever reason that's what he's going into here. Yeah, it has to be like it's supposed to be like that. Um, then he says, interesting enough, he says, well, he obviously follows the second opinion. He says, Why is there a separate mitzvah to light a separate fire to the one that is there for the korban? So on the one he says is a very interesting answer. He says, similar to the lechem upon him, but he says, a person gets brought through his actions. So granted there's going to be a fire on the Mizbah from heaven, there's the actions that a person does to receive bracha. So he has to make an additional point of lighting a fire on the Mizbah. Um... Okay, and then he gives uh, other other answers, and he carries on discussing this mitzvah. But I thought it was quite interesting to go into what's the purpose of this mitzvah when we say that there's a miracle that it comes down from Shomayim anyway. Okay, um, carrying on. So remember, I said so. We brought three opinions. One opinion says there were two. There were generally two, and then on Yom Kippur three. The second, each one going up a level. What were the different flames for? So again, obviously depending on the opinion, but you'd add in one according to Rebbe Yehuda. There was one. There was the primary one, the one for Katoris, and then the third one on Yom Kippur was for the Katoris of Yom Kippur. Then the next opinion, Rebbe Yosi added in. One for, that they kept the fire burning, and if they needed to increase the strength of the main pyre, they would take from that third pyre. 
And then, according to Rebbe Meir, there was even a separate one to burn the fats and limbs that didn't, were not burned over the previous evening. Okay, so the Gemara starts, the Okay, so firstly, everyone agrees that there were two pyres. What's the source that there were two pyres? I guess they're not one. So, Omar Kroll, the Potsuk says, The Potsuk says, the, the oil will be burnt on the pyre on the Mizbech the whole night. That's referring to the a bit later in the Pasuk, it says, The fire of the Mizbech will burn on it. Well, we've already mentioned that there's a fire. So this is This is coming from the Okay, so we've got the source for the first two. Then it says, Where does Rebiosi get that there's a third pyre to keep the fire burning or to strengthen, if they needed to strengthen the main pyre? It says, Bo. Same paragraph where it's discussing the fire on the Mizbech, but just um, two psukim, three psukim later, the, the previous one was Posuk Bez, and now we're in Posuk Hay. So, Tukad Bo, the fire on the Mizbech will burn there. Oh, we're discussing another fire, that must be the third pyre. The Rebbe Yehuda, what does Rebbe Yehuda use that Posuk for? Rebbe Yehuda says there were only two pyres. So this Posuk that speaks about another fire in the Mizbech, what's it there for? It says, That's coming to teach us regarding the kindling chips. Remember, to light a fire, you have to start with smaller pieces and build up into these big blocks of wood that they had on the main pyre. So he says, How do we know that even starting with these kindling chips, it has to be done on top of the Mizbech? Uh, you're not allowed to light a big fire downstairs somewhere and then carry a burning log onto the Mizbech. Even the little chips that you want to use to start the fire getting going has to be done on top of the Mizbech. So, the fire must always be lit, Tukat here would be lit on the Mizbech. So, that's why he, so again, Rabbi Yossi used that possible to say that there's a third pyre. And Rebuda says, no, that possible is coming to teach us that even the starting of the fire must be done on top of the Mizbech. There's an Omer Rabbi Yossi, Minayan Sha'oisa, Marocha, Lekil, Ma'esh. Uh, so the carrying on with that, Bryce Rebbe says, what's the source that you need a fire for establish, um, for keeping the fire going? Okay, so this is this price is the exact source for what um, for Rebbe Yosi. Oh, where does Rebbe Yosi learn that even the starting, the kindling of the fire with the little chips of wood has to be done on top of the Mizbeach? Says, he actually learns it from the same source as Rebbe Shimon. And now we're going to bring another b'risa, which is going to add to this discussion. We'll see Rebbe Shimon's points. This is the Tanya. As we learned in a b'risa, and this pasuk is uh, uh, elsewhere. It's not part of the previous paragraph. It says, Aaron the Kohen will put fire on the Mizbeach. Rebbeo says this pastor teaches us that lighting the fire, starting the kindling, has to be done by a kosher kohen and a kli shores. And that is because the word could just say, and the sons of Aaron will put it on the Mizbech. What does it mean, the sons of Aaron? Um,
will do a, a why does it have to say Aaron the Kohen? So that's to impl to highlight that the fire must be lit by a Kohen wearing his Bidei Kahuna. says, what do you mean, Rabbi Yehuda? Rabbi Yehuda, we've already learned from you that the fire has to be lit on the Mizbah. And obviously a non-Kohen is not allowed to go up the Mizbah. It's an explicit possible that a non-Kohen is not allowed to go up the Mizbah. So, so it can't be coming to teach us that it has to be litten by a Kohen, because that we already know it can't be litten by anyone else. It must be coming to teach us that it has to be litten on top of the Mizbah. And you might have thought that a Kohen can light the fire and then or get a few, you know, take a few long poles and put, get them a light and carry them up when the ends properly alight onto the Mizbah. No, you can't. It has to be done on top of the Mizbah. Of Rebbe Yehuda. But now wait. According to Rebbe Yehuda, we already taught that the... Um, so he already... Um, that, that the fire must be lit on the Mizbah. And therefore, it must be done by a Kohen. So why does Rabbi Yudah say we need the second Pasuk to tell us that it has to be done by a Kohen wearing Big Day Kahuna? So it says, no, Ima Hassan, if we only had that source, have I mean a Kohen Arav Ovid Mafucha? Maybe he could light it with bellows from standing on the ground. Kamash Malanet therefore comes to teach us that you can't do that. I, if we only had one Pasuk that the kindling had to be done on top of the Mizbah, you could have hands have someone standing next to the Mizbah, and I guess fanning the flames from a distance. We're using bellows to get it a light. And that's what he's coming to say. By the fact that you, uh, that it says it has to be done by a coin and Klishores is telling us it has to, well, yeah, maybe that it has to be done on the Mizbech, but even the part that's not, even if you're not going to light it while standing on the Mizbech, it still has to be done by the Kohen. Okay, so that's, uh, we now discuss Rabbi, Meir, Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yoisi. We now move on to the third opinion, which says that there were four flames. Where does Rabbi Meir get that there's a fourth pyre? So again, we've discussed the first two for the Marachah Kedola and the Marach, and the secondary one for the incense, and the third one for keeping the fire alight. And now we want to know, according to Rabbi Meir, who said there's a fourth pyre every single day to burn the limbs and the fats on. What's the source for that? It says, Because the Pasuk says, And the fire. I and additional one. It says, Oh, don't the rabbis learn a drosha? And then it says, No, Vovlo Dorsha, they don't expound a drosha. So according to the rabbis, there's not a special pyre to burn these limbs and fats. So what do they do with them? So they actually put them back on the main pyre. The Tanya, as we learned in Ebrisim, How do we know that these limbs and fats that were not consumed in the previous evening, the previous night, that you put them, arrange them on the Mizbah, if there's not enough space on the Mizbah to arrange them all, that you arrange them on the top of the ramp or the, um, the ledge going around the Mizbah. Until you have time to make, to arrange the main pyre and put them on top of that one. The Pesach adds, which the fire burns the ohel, burns the oiler on the Mizbech. 
I, the main, the, the same pyre that burnt the oiler is this is it's, it's unnecessary that pasuk to teach us that because we already know you burn the oiler, so it must be coming to teach us that all carbonos you burn on the main pyre, even the limbs and stuff that were from the previous day. Says Rebbe Meir, Verebi Meir, Achula oiler ato bachzer v'yato bachzer achulei katoyres. Rebbe Meir says that pasuk's not coming to teach us that the leftover limbs are burnt on the same. The remaining limbs are burnt on the same pyre. It's coming to teach us that it's only limbs of a korban that are burnt on the pyre if they weren't completely burnt the day before. However, um, if there was katoiris that was not completely burnt, you do not put that back on the fire. The Tani Rabbi Hanina Bar Minyumi, but the Vey Rabbi Eliezer Ben Yaakov, Hanina Bar Minyumi taught in the yeshiva of Rabbi Eliezer Ben Yaakov, that the drosha is to teach us that you burn the you can only reburn the limbs of a korban that weren't born but you don't burn the katoris that wasn't burnt you would just clean that up and dispose of it however you would dispose of the rest of uh, with other kochim and just interesting point on this, or important point on this. So what are we discussing? Uh, just primarily this this part discussion. Everyone agrees that if there are parts of korbans from yesterday that weren't burnt on the Mizbah through the night. Now that either means one of two things. Either they were put on the fire, but when the coin came to take Truma Sedation, he saw that it didn't burn fully. You know, sometimes you put a piece of meat on the fire and it doesn't cook fully. But never mind, if you, wanted, if you were leaving it on the fire... You know, I don't know, when you try to burn the chomet, it's always fine when you try to burn the chomet, spend hours and hours, and you always find more pieces of bread hidden in the charcoal, so it doesn't get consumed quickly always. So that's the one thing we're discussing, these parts that were on the Mizbah that didn't burn completely, limbs of the korbonos, and the second part is maybe there was abs- just too much korbonos. So Tosas brings, so what, what's these two reasons that you'd put it on top of the Mizbah? Says because remember, if you leave a korban overnight, it becomes invalid. It becomes noisar. He says that does not apply on top of the mizbeach. So as long as they took the korbanos onto the mizbeach, if it took them only till the next day or maybe even a few days to get them onto the pyre and burnt, that's fine. As long as they were on top of the mizbeach, on top of the ramp, or on top of the ledge, which is, the ledge was again, more than halfway up, so it's counted as on top, Tosfer says, um, but obviously, oh, he brings another chat, he says it might even be also to take them off the Mizbah, so once those Korbanos are on the Mizbah, you arrange them around until you get a chance to put them on the pyre. Okay, now we're going back to our, to the general discussion of the different pyres, he says, the Kuli Mias Musifin Boy Bayom, all three opinions held that on Yom Kippur you add a different pyre. Whether it was Rabbi Yehudu who held the rest of the year there were only two, he said on Yom Kippur you add an additional one. Rabbi Yossi said there were three, but on Yom Kippur you add an additional one. Rabbi Meir says there were four, and on Yom Kippur you add an additional one. So where do they get the source that you add a special pyre on Yom Kippur for the, and, and as we learned like Rashi, for burning for the Katoras? So it says, so what's the source? It's From the Pasuk it says, It says, And even according to the opinion which you mentioned earlier, that would not expound a Vov. The Vov isn't coming to say there's another Pyre. It says, 
hey Dorish. When there's an extra vov and a hey, he does expound it. So when it says, so interesting enough, when it says Vaha is bo, that Posuk, the Vahaishalam is bear tukat bo is teaching us according to Rabbi Yehuda, just that you light the, the fire has to be started on top of the Mizbech. According to Rabbi Yoisi, it's coming to teach us that there's a third pyre. According to Rabbi and Rabbi Meir, that there's another pyre. According to because, and according to Rabbi Meir, there's the extra vov to teach an extra pyre. And now we're saying there's this vov and hey to add an extra pyre on Yom Kippur. So, um, so now we've discussed this paragraph which has mentioned many different fires. I should have read the whole paragraph, but the two psukim we mainly discussed was it says Tzaves Aaron ve'es bonov lemo zois Torah ha'oyle he ha'oyle al mukta al mizbech kol alayla. This is the law of the oyle. The oyle will be on the pyre the whole night on the mizbech at boike va'esh. And the fire on the Mizbeach will be burnt on it. So that's where we learned the first two piles from. Then we skipped a few psukim and we went to Pasuk, that was Vayikrovov Pasuk Beis. We went to Pasuk Hay. It says, Voha Eishan Mizbeach Tukadbo. That's what we just discussed. Is it a third pyre? Is it another halacha? It depends on the different tanoim, how you learn it. Voha Eishan Mizbeach Tukadbo, etc. And now there's the next pasuk. The Gemara just wants to ask, okay, once we've discussed all those fires, let's just discuss the next pasuk. It says, What's it coming to say that there must always be a fire? It says, We learn it for the following, from the following price. And I'm changing the gears a little. So it starts with the beginning of the previous pasuk. That fire on the Mizbeh and the fire of the Mizbeh will burn on it. This tells us that there has to be a second pyre for the Katarish, but that it is on the outer altar. How do we know that when you're getting the fire for the incense on Yom Kippur and the fire for the menorah, how do we know that you get it from the outer altar? Again, once you've built your outer altar and you've gone to offer your Katarish on the golden altar, on the inside, the altar that's in the Hefer, well now well, maybe you should get the coals from there. So how do we know that you get them from the outer altar? It says, Vidinu. And you might have actually said, that makes a lot of sense. It says, Nemra Eshba Katarit Venemra Eshba Mafta Umenorah. It says, Eish by the regular daily Katarit. And it says, Eish by the coals for the, the shovel full of coals for Yom Kippur and lighting the Menorah. Ma'ala halal amizbecha chitzon afkan. Well, just as the fire for the regular Katoris comes from the outer altar, so to the fire for these two avoiders also comes from the outer altar. This is a but wait, we could actually say it the other way around. It says fire by Katoris and it says fire by the by the um, shovels, the, the, the coals for the Incense on Yom Kippur and for the Menorah. He says, Just as by the Katoris that's from the Mizbech, the fire that's nearest to it, you go to the outer altar and bring it straight into the 
inner altar. So it's from the fire that you get the fire from the nearest fire. So it says, Maybe so too by the menorah and the coals for the incense in the Yom Kippurim, you should get it from the Mizbech, from the fire that's nearest to it, which would be the golden altar, the inner altar. The fire will consistently come from the fire on the Mizbeach and it will never go out. He says, The drosha is, again, generally means it must always be burning. As we explained, from the, there's a mitzvah to keep the fire burning the whole time. But he's making a drosha. Whenever, always, when I say fire, it must be from this Mizbeach HaChitzon. Lomanu Eish Lomenorah. Okay, that's a good source for the Menorah. Eish Lomach Deminayin. What's the source? Because it says Eish Tomid. Um, oh, because by the Menorah it says Lahalos Ner Tomid. Oh, so it says Tomid by the Menorah. And we've just said this is the constant fire. Oh, so that Menorah. But he says, um, so what about the Eish for the Machte? The Machte is the shovel of coal that you're going to use to burn the incense in the Kodesh HaKadosh, the coin God is going to use to burn the incense in the Kodesh HaKadosh, on Yom Kippur, he says, what's the source? So he says, Well, it says, with the Mahta, and it says, just as over there, from the, you get the fire from the outer altar, so to here, you must get the fire from the outer altar. You could say it's from the following source. Or maybe we could say no. It says fire bakatores, and you get the fire for that by the nearer from the nearest flame, the, the outer altar. Well, then when it says fire by the machte, by the yom kippur avodah, you must get the fire from the nearest flame, which would be the inner altar. You must go and take from the Mizbeach um, coals from the from on the Mizbeach milifne Hashem. What is the Mizbeach which part of it is directly opposite before Hashem and part of it isn't? Remember, milifne implies that some of it is before. So he says, That must be the Mizbeach HaChitzon. Sorry, that must be referring to the outer altar because the Mizbeach HaKatoris is directly in front of the Kodesh HaKadoshim. It's completely all. The, the outer altar stretches past the door of the Ulam and the door of the Heichal. So it's not that all of it is not in front of Hashem. We need both phrases from on the Mizbeach and the one from that is before Hashem. Why the ikos of Rahmanamizbahim? If it would have just said from on the Mizbah, well maybe it means from on the inner altar. So cause of Rahmana Milifna Hashem, therefore it says Milifna Hashem from the altar that is partially before Hashem. Which is the outer altar. The ikos of Rahmana Milifna Hashem, Haviamina Dafka Milifna Hashem. If it would have said, I have to get from fire from before Hashem, which I would know it's referring to the outer altar, but I would think that it has to be coals from on the Mizbah that are directly opposite the doorway, so that they are directly. How do I know that you can get from either side? So that's why it says, from anywhere on top of that Mizbah. That's why we need both phrases. Okay, we'll leave it there for today. But in short, remember we started off with the discussion of well, the Mizbeach has to have a fire constantly on it. There were three opinions of how many pyres they generally were. We went into the source for each of them. 
And in this final, then we discussed, um, everyone agrees that on Yom Kippur there was an additional pyre. Rashi says, for the coals um, to, to burn the incense that's burnt in the Kodesh HaKadoshim. And then we, the final thing we discussed was, how do we know that when you're getting fire to light the menorah, or fire to light the regular incense, and the fire for the incense of Yom Kippur, you must get it from top of the regular Mizbah, and that's what we just went into here. Okay, have a very good day.